Warning, this podcast contains descriptions of scenes of a distressing nature. Please take care. He was a big rooster. He was huge. He was the biggest one on the farm, I think. Corey was like, be prepared, there's a lot of blood. So when I went in the front door and straight ahead of me is the stairs and I could see the blood around the corner. And it was deep blood. It wasn't just a small little bit. It was deep, pooled blood. I only saw the blood on the floor and it's something I'll never forget. On the 28th of April 2022, Jasper Krauss gets up out of his sick bed, puts his dressing gown on and walks out the back door to the wall at the end of his garden in the South Roscommon countryside. From there, he's able to see the freshly dug grave of his beloved Yorkshire terrier, Krista, who had been put to sleep the day before. It's a lovely spring day. The sun is shining. He's surrounded by all his ducks, turkeys, hens and geese wandering around the yard. It's peaceful. But as he weeps at Krista's grave, something is creeping up behind Jasper. Something is coming for him. He doesn't know it, but he's only minutes to live. I'm Sarika Crowley and I've been investigating the bizarre case of the man killed by his rooster outside Ballinasloe last year, 67-year-old Dutchman Jasper Kraus. How did this happen? And who was the man behind the clickbait headlines? Nothing could prepare me for the story you're about to hear. You're listening to Death by Rooster, The Extraordinary Life and Death of Jasper Kraus. Episode 1, Spur of the Moment. I'm joined, first of all, by Irish Examiner news editor and this podcast producer, Deirdre O'Shaughnessy, to tell us what first sparked her interest in this story. Well, Circa, when you get a story like this, you always first say, this this is bizarre, we know it's going to go viral. It's obviously very sad for everybody who knew Jasper, but we knew it would get huge interest. And we had seen it, there there was Common Herald as part of our group of newspapers. They had the inquest report initially, and we said, you know, this is national, if not international news, we we definitely need to run this. So we ran it in the newspaper and it went viral everywhere all over the world, Fox News, you know, the, I think the Hindu Times, every newspaper conceivable and every news website picked it up. But when I was reading the initial story, I said to myself, there's something more here because somebody called Jasper Krauss didn't end up in Ballinasloe without there being a story there. I said, there has to be something more to this guy and, and his circumstances. And it's an unusual name. So I went looking him up in our own archive, in the Irish newspaper archive and online. And what I found really shocked me because we you know most people don't ever make the news in their lives and if they do maybe once it might be for you know a road traffic offense or something and for somebody to have made the news in such an extraordinary manner of death and then to have been the subject of court reports to have been mentioned in in a really really tragic inquest report and to have come up in a Guinness World Record attempt as well, 
I said, there's a lot behind this. And the inquest report, which is, is covered in further detail in episode three, was something that if it had happened just a few years later, I think would have been enormous an enormous national story. We've had a number of national stories like this, but I think at the time that uh, Jasper's family went through that tragedy in, in the 90s, people didn't speak so much about things like that. They didn't talk about mental health. They didn't talk about, you know, real tragedies in that way. So when I came across that inquest, I said, this man has been through an absolutely turbulent and tragic time. And then coming across a world record attempt a few years later, I said that he obviously was an incredible character to have gone through such tragedy and such adversity and come out the other side trying to do sort of feats of daring do like a, a Western cowboy. Um, so I just felt there was more to it. And that's where you come in, Sarah. And I guess this is the result of, of your, your further investigations. So I remember getting her in first year from school, like, you know, so she was there through everything. This is Virginia, Jasper's only daughter, who grew up with Krista and a lot of other animals. We're talking at her home in Roscommon, where she lives with her husband Niall and two young daughters, Josie and Sophie. Her best friend, Sarah Madden, joins us in the kitchen. But this dog was mighty. Like, you know, Dad, he had unfortunately sleep apnea as well. And um, when he stopped breathing in his sleep, she'd go up and lick him on to wake him up and everything. And, you know, it was amazing. Like, the dog was mighty, mighty little doggy. And, um, Virginia has agreed to share with us the shocking events of Jasper's death and his even more amazing life. Book ended by his beloved pets. It's got circus tigers, trick horses, Hollywood westerns and agonising tragedy in between. At the heart of this story is a little child and the healing power of animals. Jasper had many pets, but Krista was his guardian angel. She kept him alive when others couldn't. Jasper had also lost his 17-year-old Alsatian, Jake, a few months earlier, so losing Krista was another blow. His protector was gone. Virginia had brought him to the vet the day before, and the same evening, her friend Sarah's mother died. But Jasper was so upset about Krista, this news doesn't even register with him. Here's Virginia describing what she didn't know would be her final hours with her father. And then I went home and I went to dad and dad was inconsolable in the house. And I was like, we're burying Krista now. We buried her outside in the field and poor old dad. Like, you know, there was no consoling him that night. And I was telling about Jackie and, you know, I don't, I don't even think he understood what happened because he was crying so much what I was saying to him. Just kind of put my hand on his shoulder and I was like, I'll talk to you tomorrow, dad. Okay. And I got the shopping list off, which I did every Thursday to do with shopping and everything. So the following day, I did my normal routine, like I do on a Thursday, go do a shopping. He rang me at 10 o'clock and he was sobbing on the phone and he was like, oh, I forgot to put washed up liquid on the list. And I was like, no problem, Dad, I'll get it for you, right? And I was like, are you OK? Like, and you know, I was like, yeah, I'll see you soon. I was like, OK. I suspected he was up all night crying because he sounded wrecked, you know. At 12 o'clock, I dropped off the shopping like I normally do. I went into the living room to give him back his change and his few bits. And his back was facing me, he was fast asleep. And he had a hospital bed and everything in the living room, so that was his room. And, you know, he was asleep. I was like, I, I kind of regret now not waking him up, but I knew he was upset all night. He had a broken heart. So I let him be. So Virginia last saw, but didn't speak to Jasper at midday. The second last person to speak to Jasper was his home help and friend, Emma Corcoran. Emma would call to Jasper for half an hour twice a day, in the afternoon and in the evening. 
being an animal lover herself, she and Jasper got on like a house on fire. Oh, he was, there's no words. He was just one of a kind. He really was. He was a grumpy old man, but he was my grumpy old man, you know. Um, I never had any issues with him. I never had any problems. We, we bonded completely over our love. Like, I love animals as much as him. The first time I walked into the house, I didn't realise that he had the amount of dogs he had. And I walked in the door to an Alsatian, uh, Nikita, and a, a Stefchable Terrier. Oh, there was a parrot. And there was another bird. And I was like, oh, my God, I'm going to die. <laughs> I, but they literally just jumped on top of me and lifted me to death. Like it was, no, and he was laughing. Emma remembers the rooster that Jasper took in from Virginia only a few months previously. He was a big Colombian Brahma breed rooster known as the king of all poultry, with a red comb, snow-white plumage with a black tail and feathery legs. Actually kind of friendly looking. To Emma, he was as big as a small child. Emma keeps poultry herself, despite being afraid of birds. She even had a rooster, which she wasn't long getting rid of once he turned aggressive, something Jasper found incomprehensible. He could never kill a living creature. We had a rooster as well and he he attacked my daughter and like we had we got rid of straight away, like she was sixteen, seventeen. Oh, really? And he and I, actually he he thought that was hilarious. He was like, What you got you killed him because he he attacked Kira. I was like, Yeah <laughs> he did, so he's gone. He's like, I'd have taken him. I was like, No. So he obviously felt totally like he just, confident. He just was so, like, you just always minded your animals and that was it, like, you know, you had them until the day they died. He was just such an animal lover. Jasper only took in the rooster, which had no name, because Virginia wanted him put down. The Krause family, as you've guessed by now, were big into animals. Virginia got into poultry as a weekend hobby and would bring her birds to agricultural shows along with her dad all around Ireland. It's a hobby she still wants to pass on to her two young daughters. The Brahma breed are normally very docile. But one day, the rooster attacked her two-year-old daughter, Josie. When we moved out there at the beginning, we got hens. And then I couldn't believe how many colours and shapes and types and characters that they have. I was like, yeah, I need to, you know, get into this. It's class. like, And also, just to get out, you meet a whole new group of people new friends. It was something to do on a weekend, you know, and it was enjoyable. And um, it was a great hobby, a very, very good hobby. Like, it was something that I'd love to get my girls into, and I will still get my girls into, even though everything that happened. So, basically, um, obviously, with my daughter, I bought a trio of birds for her called Brahmas, which are normally a very, very docile breed, you know, a laid-back breed. Oh, yeah, if you want chickens for kids, get them Brahmas, they're babies. And I bought these birds in as six-month-olds, I was like, oh, to be nice now. He's a beautiful looking bird. You know, I'm going to show them now in the future for Josie, the under 12 classes, you know. And uh, then one day out in the side garden here, um, he jumped at her. And I was like, oh, she must have startled him. I didn't think there was anything behind it. And that was grand. I didn't think much of it. And then a couple of days later in the front garden, Josie was out playing. I was here gardening in front of the window, um, sowing some bulbs. I heard a Lord merciful scream come from behind me. And the rooster actually jumped the wall and got her, hit her from the back. And when she was on the ground, he was jumping at her again. I ran over at that stage. She was screaming. And I know it's a shocking thing to say, but I gave him a flying kick to get off her. 
which you would do for your daughter, you know. Um, her back, her back was all scraped. She had a mark under her eye. I was distraught. I was like, oh my God, he's actually after attacking her. It wasn't an accident. It was serious. So um, my father had um, a friend living in him at the time and he was also very big into animals. He'd had uh, a lot of animals. He'd fish, he had ferrets, he had poultry down there as well. And I said, look, this rooster is going down to you. Put him down in fed to the ferrets you know that's he was going to be recycled so basically it wasn't just a waste you know but when he went down there my dad was like he's beautiful you know he is amazing and dad had brahma hens so he's like he'll be a perfect companion for them you know and um dad having a big heart no we're not going to put it down we're going to keep it there so back to april 28th virginia has left her dad sleeping at midday around an hour later emma pops in on her lunchtime call I had gone in that morning and I'd made the coffee and everything else and I came into him and he was actually crying in his sleep over the dog because the dog slept beside him every night for the last 20 years. Oh, God. And, yeah, and, um, yeah, I just said to him, like, right, I said, here, I did everything I had to do, back the fire and everything. I said, I'll be back now this evening, but you're going to eat. We're not having this like we had last time where yeah, he, just, he wouldn't eat for days because right. he was just so upset over the dog. Oh. And, um, I said, we're not putting up with that this time. And he's like, okay, so. And I said, I mean it now. I said, I know. I said, it's it's awful. I said, I don't even like looking at the bed now because she's not in it. But, you know, you have to eat because you'll get sick. Because he wasn't long recovered either from the last time he was in hospital. Emma leaves Jasper around 1.30. Although Jasper had been married three times and his Irish wife is still very much alive, at the time of his death, he hadn't seen her in more than 27 years. It was too painful. The next thing we learn about that day comes from Jasper's friend who had been an occupant in his house for two years, another animal lover. Corey O'Keefe declined to take part in this podcast, but we know from his deposition to Jasper's inquest held in February in Balahudreen that he looked after the animals there and owned some of them too, including ferrets and poultry. He said he returned from night duty at about 8am that morning, fed the animals, asked Jasper how he was doing and then went to bed. Several hours later, he wakes to the sound of Jasper's screams, telling him to come quick. He rushes downstairs and sees blood spurting out of the back of Jasper's leg from a large wound on his calf and two other scratches on the other leg. He rings the emergency services and tends to the cot on Jasper's leg. He says Jasper was coming in and out of consciousness at this stage. The only word he keeps repeating before he passes out is rooster, rooster. Corey calls Virginia while doing CPR on her dad. The emergency services in Gorthy arrive before her. They think it's a chainsaw accident, there's so much blood. Virginia picks up the story from when she arrives at Jasper's home. And uh, I remember getting to dad's house and... I seen the two ambulances out in front and young Corey came out, met me at the gate, gave me a hug. He said, it's not good. It's not good. And I was like, what happened? What happened there? And um, he was like, I don't know. I don't know. There's blood everywhere. I was like, blood. And um, basically when I went up to the door, I seen the blood. It was like rainbows on the ground going out towards the chicken run. So I followed it and I was like, he's after getting a nick out here somewhere, you know, and I was looking and, 
kind of I came back to the door and they still had they had a machine working on dad and I remember just seeing his forehead like in this and for days I was traumatised over that machine that they had the CPR machine on his chest the noise of it the way it moved and dad moving and I remember saying to Pam I said dad has late stage heart failure I know this is not going to bring him around you're not going to get him around he said we have a rhythm but it's all medication it's not genuine do you know so I was like Okay, I, I, knew, I knew what was happening. He was on the phone uh, already. So I had guards there at that stage and the guards were actually looking for a chainsaw because they thought it was a chainsaw accident. And I was like, there's no chainsaw here. I was like, dad can't even lift a chainsaw. Where's the chainsaw? Like, we're all in shock when they said that. Jasper had only just survived renal failure the month before and had been diagnosed with heart failure. So Virginia knew his chances were not good. And... Um, I remember looking up and I was like, I seen the paramedics kind of stopping, turning off everything. And I said, is it called? And nobody heard me. I was like, is it, is it called? And still nobody heard me. And I kind of said it a bit louder. I said, is it called? And he just looked at me and he put his head down. And I just, then I remember turning around and Niall was there. And um, Niall hugged me. He was like, to know, Jesus Christ, like what is after happening? And um I was like, what blood? Like, do you know how? Like, what what happened? Like, and I kind of guessed in a way, like, something happened. Something had to have been attacked him. There was no wire out there. There was nothing like that that could have nicked him. They said that he had one wound on his leg. So I went into the house and um, Corey was like, be prepared. There's a lot of blood. So when I opened, I went in the front door and straight ahead of me is the stairs. And I could see the blood around the corner. And it was deep blood. It wasn't just a small little bit. It was deep, pooled blood. And um, basically, the feet, I could see Dad's feet, where they pulled him back into the kitchen to do the defibrillator. And basically, I was in shock when I seen that blood. It wasn't the first time in her life Virginia had been confronted with such a shocking scene. It triggered disturbing childhood flashbacks to another blood-soaked floor and a knife long ago. The GP called to the scene, Dr. Annette Jennings, pronounces Jasper dead at 3.24pm. In the meantime, like Annette Jennings, who was there, she stayed a good while there looking. She couldn't believe it. She was in shock with what happened. She was like, the GP, the GP. And she was like, this is the most unusual thing ever. She said he's one hole in the leg, there's nothing else. She pronounced him dead. Dr. Annette Jennings is an important and uncanny part of Jasper's story. You'll hear more about her again later in the series. Meanwhile, amidst the chaos and the blood, Virginia just knew something had attacked Jasper and she wanted to find out what. It didn't take her long to find a clue. A trail of bloody footprints leading to the chicken run. I had an idea. At this stage then, we went catching birds out in the garden. Like There was turkeys. Dad had turkeys. He had geese. He had some hens and he had that rooster. Corey had poultry there as well, but they wouldn't have been big enough to, you know, to cause damage. This Brahma then... I had trail of blood, wasn't there? The tra- oh yeah, the trail of blood. I seen the trail of blood earlier. Do you know, I followed it out. So that's why I suspected something happened out there. We started catching birds. And I looked at the faces of the, all the birds. I didn't see anything on them, the legs, until we got to the white lad, the big white Brahma. And... um. Corey and Niall caught him in the shed, brought him out and he had, you could see the spur, his spur was about an inch, inch and a half long on his leg and it had dried in blood on it and blood along the inside of the leg. You could see it as clear as day and um, 
the guards came up. They all took pictures of the bird, of the spur. So yeah, we waited and we let him loose again on the ground. I'm like, what are we meant to do? do we, who do we ring? Do you know, do we ring the department? Do we ring a vet? What are we going to do? I said, don't worry about that rooster. I said, I'm going to take care of him later. And in this case, this rooster, if he was left alive, would he attack another person? Definitely would attack a person. Whether it would kill him or not, it depends on the person and where the person is got. But I think the right decision was made to put him down. And like everyone says, don't have guilt. But if I could put him down sooner when he attacked my daughter, I should have. So what did you do with him? Um, he was disposed in afterwards. Um, he was he was given to ferrets basically. So he did. I put him down. So, yeah. Now I don't like to put down a healthy animal. I'm not an evil person who goes putting down animals for the likes of it. But an animal that is that aggressive and what he done to my dad, I put him down. And I think it's the best thing I could have done. And anyone who questions that and says he should have been alive or you know it wasn't the rooster's fault, you were not there. You did not go through it. You did not have to clean up after it. And you did not feel the pain that we have felt from the loss. Virginia gave Jasper the best send off she could. He was mourned by many. In his death notice, there's no mention of a spouse, but it does say he was predeceased by his son, Kevin Joey. At his service, there's another clue to his past. On the morning of the burial, I dropped in Dad's wedding suit. He wanted to wear that, you know, and um, I, I done up a bit of a display for the funeral. Um, Dad's Western saddle and stuff at the end of the coffin, which he would have loved. And it was lovely. It was nice, yeah. It was very, very touching. Fatal rooster attacks are so rare, less than a handful are recorded in the entire world. In 2020, a man in India died after tying a razor to his fighting cockerel during an illegal cockfight. The cockerel turned on him. In 2019, an elderly woman was collecting eggs from her chicken coop on her rural property in South Australia when her rooster pecked a varicose vein in her leg, causing her to hemorrhage, collapse and die. The same year, a town in Arkansas in the United States was terrorised by a vicious rooster. The town's name is Jasper. Was Jasper Krause just unlucky or was it destiny? What does the Western saddle hint at? Coming up in episode two of Death by Rooster. He always called himself the black sheep of the family. He did a lot of strange things. He thought he was John O'Neill when he walked into town. His wife was small. She was either walking behind him or in front of him. It was really never together. The whole town knew them. There was people standing on the, the playground wall and behind me with, with their bed sheets. Come on, Jasper, you can do it. You've been listening to Death by Rooster, the extraordinary life and death of Jasper Krause, an Irish Examiner investigative podcast. The show was written, researched and recorded by me, Sarika Crowley, produced by Deirdre O'Shaughnessy, with sound design by JJ Vernon. Graphics were done by the Irish Examiner visual design team. Special thanks to Virginia Guinan for her help with this series. Read the story on irishexaminer.com. If you've been affected by any of the subjects in this podcast, visit irishexaminer.com forward slash helplines for a list of support services and helplines. Thank you for listening. <laughs>